Hello again, friends, and welcome back to another episode of Flashback Fridays on Real Talks. I'm your host, David Steele, and I'm flying solo for this one again, and we'll be back soon. This is the 15th episode in a long line of them that will span the course of several months as we analyze, critique, and dissect each and every Marvel film in chronological order. Last week, we did Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, and this week, we'll be talking about Spider-Man Homecoming. Just a friendly reminder, if you like what you're hearing, you can follow us wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Just search Real Talks. That's R-E-E-L Talks. Just like my name, S-T-E-E-L-E. Also, you can follow us on social media. I'm on Twitter at WannabeRounder and on Instagram at DCadudo. Just a couple of quick announcements. Our revamped Patreon channel is now live. You can find it by typing Real Talks into the search bar. Let me tell you a little about it. We're offering four different affordable levels you can support us at. $3, $7, $15, and our highest is only $20 a month. If you do choose to support us, you'll have the opportunity to get some great perks, such as your name chatted out before every podcast, cool merch, and if you're one of our major contributors, you'll get a one-hour monthly Zoom meeting with Alyssa and myself, not to mention one unpublished podcast. For more details, just head on over to the website. I'll leave the link in the description. So without any further ado, let's dive into this movie. So, it is Spider-Man Homecoming. So, this was actually, it's a good movie to start, but let's just, as I we do every single week, let's go through and I'll, I'll give you some background to it. So, this was made by Sony Studios. And so, there's a little bit of a difference here than most times. And that's... So there's something called an IP, or an intellectual property. So Spider-Man actually is owned by Sony. So when we saw Spider-Man in Civil War, he was just basically being on loan from Sony to Marvel. So it was so successful that they said, well, we got to do a few of our own. This was made by Sony, as I said, and Marvel in correlation with Marvel, and distributed by Sony. So they actually ended up distributing this. This was made all the way back in 2017 and was actually released the week of July 7th, so 4th of July, essentially. It made $117 million opening weekend, which was a a pretty big opening considering the last Spider-Man movie we had was Spider-Man 3, like a full-fledged, full-blown Spider-Man movie. I don't really count Civil War because he just made a cameo. So, but yeah, it was a pretty big opening. The budget for this was pretty big too, speaking of big. It was $175 million for this, which in relation, if you look at all of the other projects, Marvels, it's right around that same amount. You're talking like 140, 150, somewhere of, you know, upwards of 160. So this one was a pretty big project. This was the 15th at this point. So, this was actually the, so we're in episode number 15 of Flashback Fridays. So up until that point, this had actually been the lowest opening weekend. So overall, it's 15th. So that you got to understand this is going to be 15 of 15. So it's the 15th highest opening for Marvel. And it's the number 49th of all time. You say, well, why does that matter? Because it's still a big opening. It's 117 million. And you have to understand too, 
this is before the pandemic. So, you know, Marvel has been in full swing for, you know, better part of 10 years. They've got what they've, you know, they're established. They know what they're doing. We're in phase three. So we're, we're closing in on the end of phase three in a couple of weeks, which we'll get to later. But yeah, it's so this was a big opening for them. Number 49 all time. And it's only about three million behind Toy Story, which, of course, you know, the, the, the 1995 classic, you know, from Pixar, their first film to really do something. So this went on to gross $334 million domestically. So it made about 40% of its total domestic gross in one weekend. So that's pretty significant, actually, but not overwhelming. But it did a lot better overseas. It made a little over half a billion dollars overseas. And this made has made or made $880 million worldwide. That's impressive for a, a Spider-Man movie that, you know, it's the first Spider-Man movie. We had only seen Spider-Man for maybe 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes in, in Civil War. You know, you had the whole recruitment by Tony and then the, and the fight, but that's it. So this was actually a really good showing for them in that respect. So this was written by Jonathan Goldstein and John Francis Daly, who basically were known for Horrible Bosses back in 2011. I've not seen Horrible Bosses. That's just not my, my, not my genre. Yeah. So that's what they, their biggest project was to date. And of course, John, the director, John Watts, did have a lot of input. And he did write, co-write this too. So he was speaking of John Watts. He actually directed this. He basically wasn't a household name until that point. He'd done some music videos. He'd done some other things, but nothing of this grand scale, right? I mean, he had been an actor, but nothing like he's not recognizable at this point. So, yeah. So this was produced by, by Marvel, Kevin Feige and the whole Marvel team. And, you know, so they basically, Stan Lee and, and everybody else had a lot of of input for this. So I'm sure you guys all know this, but just for the record, let me break this down for you. So this stars Tom Holland, who's gone on to do many other things since this particular movie, Michael Keaton, which I think everybody best knows him for Batman. This is not his first go at it in a comic book movie. Of course, he was the Batman back in 1989 with Tim Burton's version. Robert Downey Jr., RDJ, played in this quite a bit. And so he ends up being Peter's mentor throughout the movie. Marissa Tomei, the hot Aunt May, if you will. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, John Favreau, Happy Hogan is back as, you know, Tony's sidekick and whatnot. Gwyneth Paltrow, not a big role. I mean, she's in a few scenes, just to be honest with you. Uh, Zendaya, this is really one of her, she had been acting before, she had been around the block. So this was like a big deal. And she's gone on to do other things, many other things since, including that HBO series. I've not seen it before. Yeah, I hear she's amazing. He's probably going to win an Emmy in the next week or two because of that. Uh, Jake Baton, he plays his best friend, Ned. So, I mean, there are other, don't get me wrong, there are other sub characters, but they don't factor in as much like Flash and and Liz and everything else. So alright, so basically the the synopsis is the the young Peter Parker is basically trying to navigate his new identity as Spider Man at this point. 
we, you know, because for everybody that's seen Civil War, and if you've been following along for the last couple of months, by the way, if you want to go back and listen to this Civil War or any of the other Flashback Fridays, it'll catch up. We're going week by week by week. So in Civil War, Tony had just gone to New York and said, look, you know, we want you to basically come to Germany and, and fight alongside of us. So he knew that this Tom, or he knew Peter Parker was Spider-Man the last six months or so, but he wanted to help him out. So he's trying to navigate his powers at this point. Thrilled by his experience with the Avengers, Peter returns home where he lives with his Aunt May, played once again by Marissa Tomei, under the watchful eye of his new mentor, Tony Stark. Peter tries to fall back on his normal daily routine, distracted by thoughts proving himself to be more than just a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. But when the Vulture emerges, a new villain, everything that Peter holds most important will be threatened. And I thought this was a really good villain to actually come up with. You know, you're not, you're not going back. I mean, look, there's plenty of villains that Spider-Man has gone up against, right? Dr. Octopus, Green Goblin, Hobgoblin, all these. So this was actually really, it was known. He was in the Sinister Six, if you will. But he wasn't like the perennial villain. So... As the film opens in New York City, so let me preface the timeline. The timeline here is going to be right in between or right after the Avengers. And it's going to kind of, it's going to put, this movie is going to put the pieces together. So the things you didn't see in Civil War is the things that you'll be seeing here. So it opens with the Avengers battling the Shatari, which of course... Where, you know, that movie, The Avengers, was in 2012, but okay, so the timeline. So salvage worker Adrian Toomes, who's played by Michael King, is showing his co-workers a drawing that his daughter did, maybe The Avengers, in action. They proceed to work on the taking apart the Shatari's Leviathan and gathering any tech they can get their hands on. So soon, a van rolls up from damage control, and Anne-Marie Hogue, played by Tyler Daly. Now, if the name sounds familiar... You're right, because she played in that old, I won't say old, she played in that series back in the 1980s called Cagney and Lacey. So, yes, that was her. And she orders Toomes to shut the operation completely down and adds that they're going to be confiscating all of their findings. So Toomes, of course, protests and even punches a damage control with Adrian when he makes a snide remarks to him. She then reasserts herself and then demands Toomes to uh, give up his work. So after learning that Tony Stark, our DJ, is behind damage control, Toomes gathers three of his co-workers, Jackson Bryce, Herman Schultz, Phineas Mason, to continue the work in gathering the Shatari tech, regardless of what they're told. Eight years later, Toomes and his guys are still at it, with Toomes using his vulture suit to bring in a bag of Shatari power core. So basically defying anything that, you know, is being said at this point and said, okay. So meanwhile, Peter is recording a video log of as he travels to Berlin with Happy Hogan. Now remember, as I said, it's going to be filling in the gaps. So what we see here when they're going to Berlin, they're going to Germany. So this is where Peter Parker's kind of getting to, you're filling in the, the gaps of what he's seeing and his perspective. So what is really Tony's recruiting him to help him during the events of Civil War. So Happy shows off the new Spider-Man suit that Tony made for Peter. Because, so if you go back to watch Civil War, 
which many of us have. Basically, Peter Stewart was horrible. <laughs> you know, as Tony says in there, I'm going to get, and you need a 100% upgrade here. So basically, he upgraded everything about Peter Stewart. So he shows him off the, the new suit, which he gets super excited about. He later then records his fight alongside Iron Man and everyone on his loyalist side during the airport with the airport fight. He then brings Peter home in a limo, leaving him eager for the next mission. So a couple months later, Peter is still waiting for the new mission to hear back from Tony over any new missions. He goes back to being a normal student in high school because don't forget, he's still high school. You know, he's, he's still a high school junior at this point. Peter makes plans with his best friend, Ned, to build a Lego Death Star. And this is one of the funnier scenes, which I'll get to in a few minutes. So Peter also has this crush on a senior named Liz and is frequently taunted by the snotty rich kid Flash Thompson, of course, Flash being the bully. So when not in school, Peter continues to go around the city as Spider-Man to help continue fighting crime to help people as well. So Peter is often refers to his Spidey work as a Stark internship. So once again, if you go back to Civil War, when, you know, they're... Peter is talking with May, and he's like, oh, yeah, he was part of this internship and this grant. Well, he, he basically says, look, it's part of an internship. And as a result, he quits the school decathlon team. Now, he's extremely bright, as everybody knows. So while not in school, Peter secretly finds he creates a new webbing for his shooters. So, I mean, it's, it's a matter of chemistry and everything else. So... One night, Spidey catches four crooks with Avengers masks trying to rob a bank using high-tech equipment. He said, so this is the scene in the movie, one of the earlier scenes where he's like, wait, you guys aren't the Avengers? You know, all kidding, of course. So he shows up and fights the criminals until one of them uses a device that emits, emits a powerful blast, blowing up not only the bank, but the bodega across the street. Spidey rushes over to save the owner of the bodega and his cat. So anybody who's played the Spider-Man, Spider-Man the video game, which is now out, you know, for wide release in like PS4, Xbox 360, or, you know, Xbox One or anything like that, there's a scene or a mission in that game where you actually have to go save somebody's cat and bring it back to him. That is the owner of the bodega. So he actually called it, it's funny because in the, in the game, he actually calls him the cat Spider-Man. So. Moving on, Peter quietly returns to his room through his window, trying not to let Aunt May know that he's out. He crawls through the window and comes down to find Ned sitting on the bed, holding the completed Lego Death Star. And this is the funny scene I was just referring to. So once again, anybody who's seen the movie, they know that. So Peter is crawling on the, on the, the roof of the room and the ceiling of the room, and he drops down. And Ned is sitting there with a completed thing and just drops it. This is after months and months and months of working on this. So, yeah, it's, it's really funny. So he drops the, the Death Star upon Ned's discovery that he's Spider-Man. So Ned's shocked, but he's also thrilled. And Peter says, you can't tell anybody. You've got to keep this a secret. So Peter later goes with May to dinner. And May's trying to get the silent Peter to, you know, admit about the, he's tired about working about this, quote, internship, if you will, with May admitting that he's not a fan of Stark. They see footage of the bank robbery, and May warns Peter not to go anywhere near them. So, of course, one thing that 
really, really, really liked about this movie. It's like the Batman origin. We don't need to see the parents being killed over and over and over and over again. So it's the same premise here. John Watson didn't use. Ben is, is I think mentioned once in this whole movie. And he didn't go back and rehash. While the Sam Raimi Spider-Man is amazing. And I loved it. We didn't need to see how he died. We knew Ben died. So, yeah. I mean, even in the, even in the Amazing Spider-Man, with the one with Andrew Garfield in it, we, we see, you know, pictures of Ben and, and May. And we know that it was a little, done a little bit differently because he was working at, at Oscorp and then they eventually killed him. But still, we didn't need to see that. This I loved because they didn't even go there. So... Essentially, May says, look, don't go anywhere near that. Stay away from that stuff. So the entire next day at school, Ned asks Peter questions about being Spider-Man. Like, what's it like? You know, how cool is it? Can you do this? Can you do that? So they even watch a PSA from Captain America, which Chris Evans makes a uh, cameo, during gym. And Peter briefly mentions fighting him during his little stint in uh, Germany. The boys then hear Liz talking to her friends about how she got a crush on Spider-Man leading in to blurt out in front of everyone that Peter knows Spider-Man. Liz then invites Peter and Ned to her house so they can go to the party, hoping that Peter can, you know, bring Spider-Man along. So the boys attend the party, and almost instantly, Ned tries to get Peter to change into a Spider-Man suit. Peter doesn't want to until Flash, bully, starts pestering him. He goes to change, and then he sees an explosion in the distance. He goes to investigate and Bryce and Schultz. Now remember, those two guys were working with Toons in the very beginning, and they were helping with the Shatari stuff. So they were part of the salvage team selling Shatari tech to a local gangster named Aaron Davis, who's played by Donald Glover. And if that name sounds familiar, you're right, because he his one of his big parts is was in Solo. He played the young Lando Calrissian. So Peter's cell goes off to where Ned tries to call him, making Bryson Schultz think that Aaron was setting him up. So Spidey intervenes and tries to fight the crooks. He chases them down until Vulture swoops down and then grabs Spidey. He drops down in the river as he's tangled in his parachute. Iron Man then comes down and essentially saves Spidey, finding out where, where he was because there was a tracker in his suit. So Tony is not in the suit, and he basically is calling Peter to stay out of his... So everybody wants Peter to stay out of his uh, crime-fighting ways, even though he wants to, to do good, because Tony thinks he's in over his head. So they return to the party, and Peter returns, cons- you know, considers returning to the party, but Ned hears him on the phone. The Flash is mocking Peter. Peter then finds a weapon that one of the crooks left behind. Meanwhile, we go back to Toon's lair, and Bryce admits dropping his weapon, weapon as he's using his electric gauntlet. And he's calling himself Shocker. So I don't know anybody else. So anybody's a fan of the comics. This is where the Sinister Six start to slowly come together. So fed up with Bryce's carelessness, Toon cuts him from the team. But Bryce threatens to spill the secrets and trying to blackmail him to Toon's wife and go public. Toon then responds by grabbing a powerful gun off of Mason's desk and incinerating Bryce with it mistaking an anti-gravity gun for a laser gun. Oops, sorry, <laughs> you're dead. So then he gives Schultz the gauntlet and says, look, you can be Shocker. 
So Peter sneaks out and he goes to find Schultz as, as Spider-Man. He catches the villains attempting to hijack a damage control truck with more weaponry inside. During his attempts to foil the villains, Spidey is knocked unconscious and wakes up in a damage control warehouse. Unable to leave because the door is sealed until the morning, Peter talks to the AI system, who he refers to as Karen. Jennifer, and she, the voice is played by Jennifer Connelly. And, of course, Jennifer Connelly was just in the biggest movie of the year in Top Gun Maverick. She helps Peter get a better understanding of how the suit works. He even tells her about his feelings for Liz. He also learns that the power core is basically a bomb that will go off. That will go off when it's exposed to radiation. And when he realizes he's about to miss a competition, Peter has Karen unlock the doors and he rushes to the competition there. So he misses the whole competition, but the team wins anyway, thanks to the reserve loner Michelle Jones, MJ. The team then heads over to the Washington Monument, and he calls Ned to warn him and everybody else, well, he calls to warn Ned about the, the power core that is a bomb, but he's unable to get his message through. As Spidey, he rushes to the monument, but the core goes off in Ned's backpack as the team is riding up the elevator. So Spidey climbs up the monument, and this is this, this shot in the trailer, climbs up the monument to save the team, but is unable to get through the window without using great force. The police choppers arrive and order Spidey to get on the ground. Against their orders, Spidey leaps over the chopper. So this is that shot in the trailer where you see him jump over the helicopter. So yeah, so this is that particular shot. He then breaks in and tries to hold the falling elevator with his web, but the weight holds him down. He's unable to hold it with his web, and the elevator and everyone inside climbs out. Liz is the last person in and nearly falls with the elevator, but Spidey catches her with the web and rescues her. Now, if that kind of sounds familiar, think about The Amazing Spider-Man, right? Isn't that the same thing that happened? I, these, it's not to say it's a bad thing. You kind of see the homages, right, to certain things. So, of course, anybody who's seen The Amazing Spider-Man, that's how Gwen dies, right? So this is why in Spider-Man No Way Home, spoiler if you haven't seen Spider-Man No Way Home, where MJ is falling and... Andrew Spider-Man goes and saves her. And it was a really touching and emotional moment right there because we get the call back all of those years later. So yeah, that was crazy. Crazy good. So back in New York, Karen reveals that the Spider-Man suit records everything that Peter has seen. She gets a visual on Aaron and Spider-Man later finds him in a parking garage. He attempts to interrogate him to find out why he's trying to get the text from Toon's goons. Aaron says he's trying to get them out of the neighborhood. He figures that Spidey is new to being a hero. And Aaron tells Spider-Man that Toombs is meeting with more people to gather more tech at the Staten Island Ferry later that afternoon. So on the ferry, Toombs is meeting with another criminal named Matt Gargan. And if that name sounds familiar, it's because it's a.k.a. the Scorpion. So you see how this is all starting to slowly come together. So you've had, you have Vulture now. You have, I mean, they don't call him Scorpion, but there are, if you go later on and, and watch the after credit scene, I believe you see a shot of a Scorpion tattoo on his arm or his shoulder. So now you have the Vulture, you have Scorpion, you have Shocker. So it's slowly starting to come together as a Sinister Six. Uh, Spidey gets a call from Tony, but he lies about where he, what he's up to. So Spidey's spells. Spots Schultz on the boat, 
and sees Toombs and doesn't realize he's Vulture. So he swings in and incapacitates Garden and his goons. Toombs then uses a weapon on Spidey, but he holds it down with his weapon. This backfires since the weapon, the weapon has become unstable and splits the fairy in half. Spidey then tries to hold the fairy together with his weapon, but it's not strong enough and continues to split. This, of course, is another callback to another Spider-Man film. And that one is Spider-Man 2, where he actually, same exact thing. I mean, story being different, but it's the same exact premise that we're having Spider-Man holding a fairy together with two of these things. Or if it's not the fairy, it's the subway. So I should stand corrected here. It's not the fairy in... Spider-Man 2, it's the subway. So it's the same thing, essentially. It's just a different object. So, but yeah, so as Spider-Man holds on as much as he can, Iron Man and his little drones show up to put the ferry back together and save everyone. So at this point, Spider-Man retreats to a rooftop. Iron Man finds him and chews him out for not lis- listening to him and lying to him about what he's doing. Peter then attempts to put the blame on Tony for what had happened to the ferry for not listening to him about the vulture. But Tony steps out of his suit this time, so he was in his Iron Man suit and then he stepped out of it, and reveals that he did in fact listen to Peter as he sent the FBI on the same ferry the Toombs was on. He goes on to remind Peter that while nobody got hurt, if somebody did, it would have been on Peter. Feeling that he's unworthy of the suit, Tony demands that he gives it back to him. Peter pleads with Tony, saying he did nothing wrong and there's nothing wrong with him. He's nothing without the suit. And if if you actually think back to another movie, a Marvel movie, what are you thinking of? It's Iron Man, or Iron Man 2, right? Where he says, I can't go on, you know, I'm one with the suit. Well, it's the same premise. So just like Iron, just like Tony was, had to get over the Iron Man suit and separate themselves, that's what Peter has to do right here. So basically, he says he's nothing without the suit. Well, he's making him essentially learn this. So that there's a, you know, because Tony's been through it. So he says, you know, he's nothing without the suit, in which Tony says he doesn't deserve it, and if he's nothing without it. So Peter fails to convince Tony why he should let him keep it, and he goes home dejected. She gets, no, Ant-Man gets on him about not answering the phone all day, even though, even going to the police to find out where he was. She knows about him skipping detention at school earlier in the day, and he missed out on the decathlon in Washington, and that he sneaks out every night demanding an explanation, admitting he's going to get fired from the, quote, internship. So Peter resumes his life as a student and spends more time with Ned. So he's trying to, you know, get back in the swing of things at this point. He finds Liz at school and admits to liking her, which she already knew. And then he asks her the homecoming dance, which she accepts. So on the night of the dance, Peter goes to pick up Liz, only to learn her father is none other than Adrian Toombs. Yes, that's the twist. The vulture is Liz's father. So, very interesting, to say the least. So, so after some awkward photos, Toombs drives Peter to Liz to the dance, as Liz is telling Adrian all about Peter's background and the events at Washington. He slowly starts to put the pieces together about Peter's circumstances and realizes that he's Spider-Man. He figured it out. Liz leaves the car and Toons quietly threatens Peter by telling him to stay out of his business or else he will kill him and everyone he cares about. So, 
now it just got real. So during the dance, Peter learns that Toombs plans to steal a shipment of weaponry from a plane coming from the Avengers Tower, heading to their new headquarters. Peter ditches Liz and rushes to his homemade Spider-Man suit to stop Toombs. He heads outside and is attacked by Schultz with his gauntlets. So remember, Schultz is the guy that he was the, like, the third wheel, but because the other guy made a mistake, Toombs zapped him and shot him with a laser and he gave him to this guy. Okay, so that's Schultz. Peter then tries to reach his web shooter, but Schultz continues to pummel him. He's saved by Ned, and Peter sticks Schultz to a bus with his webbing. So Spidey rushes to stop Toons, with Ned being his eyes and ears at this point. Ned then gets in touch with Happy, but he doesn't care about it and just hangs up on him. Spider-Man finds Toons in his lair, and Toons attempts to reason with Peter that he's only doing what he believes is necessary, and that the world isn't black and white as the young Peter may believe it to be. So. While usually villains have the right idea, they go about it the wrong way. And that's exactly what Toombs was trying to explain to Peter there. But it turns out to be a distraction as Toombs unleashes his suit and flies around the area, destroying support beams and causing a pile of degree to fall on Spidey. Or in this. So Toombs leaves him to die. Peter struggles to lift the rubble off him and fears he's going to die. And then he remembers what Tony's words. He uses all of his strength, so essentially he remembers what he said. If you're nothing without the suit, then you're nothing at all. So that's when he pulls himself together and he gets himself out of this. He uses all of his strength to pull himself out, and then he'll have to do this all alone without Tony's help. So Spidey latches on to Vulture's suit as he's about to intercept the plane. And Toons tries to gather what he needs, but Spidey foils his plan. Toon gets into his gets in his suit and fights Spidey on the plane. They knock out the turbine, sending the plane spiraling toward Coney Island. Spidey's able to maneuver the plane away from the city and onto the beach as it crash lands. Toombs attempts to get away with the weaponry, but Spider-Man warns him that it's about to explode because of the core that Ned had earlier, so he knows. Toombs tries flying away, but the core blows up and he's crashing down. So Spider-Man finds Toombs and he saves him. But he leaves next to the rest of the weaponry for Happy and the police to find later, leading to his arrest. So at school, meanwhile, he's got a, you know, a school, you know, he's supposed to be in high school. So he's moonlighting a Spider-Man doing all this stuff. So the next day at school, Peter finds out that Liz is moving to Oregon with his wife while his father's on trial. She's still upset with Peter for leaving her at the dance. She says goodbye to Peter and hopes that he can find himself out. Peter is back on the decathlon team, and MJ is now made captain. So she quick, so she's mentioned, and this is a great thing that they did too. So she's meant, they don't really say her name a lot, even though she's in the, Zendaya or Michelle is in the movie a lot. The fact is they wait until like the last 10 minutes to set it up. So she quickly mentions that her name is MJ, not Michelle. Peter then gets a text to go to the bathroom. Happy's there thanking Peter for what he did. He then tells Peter that Tony wants to see him. Tony and Happy bring Peter to the new Avengers headquarters. Tony then presents Peter with a brand new Spider-Man suit, telling him that there were reporters behind the wall waiting for a big announcement, meaning that Tony is about to make Peter a new Avenger, which he's always wanted. However, Peter turns it down, saying he prefers to be a, quote, friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, end quote, for now. Peter leaves and asked Tony if he was testing him whether or not he passed. 
Tony seemingly confirms it, adding there are no reporters. However, Tony is actually surprised that Peter made the mature choice of turning it down, and that turning him down, and there were really a bunch of reporters outside. So Pepper Potts, this is, you know, like I said, she's in like five minutes. Gwyneth Paltrow comes out and says, look, there's a bunch of reporters. What do we do? So Happy covers for them by giving Tony a ring so he can propose to Pepper. So when Peter gets home, he finds a bag from Tony on the bed. It's uh, Tony's convinced that he's given Peter back the original Spider-Man suit. Peter proudly puts it on, not realizing Aunt May is behind him leaving to what the f**k? <laughs> so that's where it ends. But yeah, it's it's fun. I had a lot of fun with it. I So there were a couple after credit scenes. So Toombs is locked up at the Wrath, which is a supermax prison for all the supervillains. And he runs into Gargan, who mentions that he and other criminals are trying to come to kill Spider-Man. Trying to get a Sinister Six together. Gargan then reveals that he's heard a room of Toombs knowing who Spider-Man was. Toombs denies it, saying Spider-Man would be dead if he knew already. So he essentially wants him for himself. He then leaves Gargan to see Liz and his wife visiting. So that was the mid credit scene. So the after credit scene. And this is the first time where Marvel has trolled the audience. You make them wait six minutes, and then they troll. Now, we're not doing Deadpool. I should say this. We're not doing Deadpool in this MCU. But Marvel, I mean, you want to call, call it a Marvel property. In Deadpool, he does troll the audience. You're still here? Well, what are you doing? So, yes, he, it's not just, I should say, it's not just Marvel movies. Yes. So Deadpool has has trolled the audience before. So the after credit scene is Captain America shows up in another PSA talking about patience and how sometimes it's sometimes being patient leads to things that aren't worth it, like sitting six minutes and getting trolled. He then asks the off-screen director of PSAs how many more PSA videos they have to work on. So, yeah, that's Spider-Man Homecoming. And, by the way, that scene is hilarious. That after-credit scene is hilarious. But, yeah, so this was a really good movie. It was a fun movie. There were, there were callbacks to other Spider-Man movies. I thought the story was great. The villain was great. We got other introductions to other villains. Like a shocker, like a, you know, scorpion. I don't know. I mean, it's been six, seven years. I don't know if they'd ever come out with a Sinister Six movie. I think that'd be a blast. But you'd need other things there. Because don't forget, it's Doc Ock, it's Rhino, it's it's a couple others. So, but yeah, so that, that was, this is the first, now, this is only the first of the three Spider-Man movies. And this is, it was just well done. So, Yeah. I'm, I was really happy to watch this again and see this. So, so let's talk about what's coming up on, on the podcast and Flashback Fridays. So next week, we've got Thor Ragnarok for you. This That's the third Thor movie, standalone third Thor movie. And Tiger Wartini's actually directing that. It was actually a very good movie as well. So as a matter of fact, on a more present note, Love and Thunder actually just passed Ragnarok on the worldwide box office. But nonetheless, so yeah, Thor Ragnarok's coming up next week. And then coming up on the podcast, we have Mom Mondays coming up very, very soon. Going to start recording a couple episodes in the next couple of days. So I, you know, I had, did 
I was thinking about only putting one episode out for you guys to start, but I think we're going to do two to start. Like I said, the 2006 Best Picture winner, The Departed, and Goodfellas. So that that's going to be uh, six ninety nine a month. And then I'm on the fence of what I said we were going to do, The House of the Dragon. I'm on the fence about that. We might just do Rewatch Wednesdays instead. If that happens, that's going to be a six ninety nine a month uh, subscription as well. But you're going to get shout outs for every single podcast if you s- sign up. And yeah, I've got an interview with another movie critic coming up this weekend. So that will be good. I just recorded the summer wrap up show. So that will be out. You'll actually hear the wrap up show probably sooner than you'll hear this, but recording it the same day. What else? Yeah. So I, so just a little uh, social media. Like I said, follow me on Twitter at wannabe rounder. That's W A N N A B E. R-O-U-N-D-E-R. That's on Twitter. You know, shoot me a tweet. I'll be glad to talk to you. I am actually starting to do Twitter spaces. Uh, So, you know, if you, you know, follow me, jump on into one of the spaces, say hi, or just shoot me a message, you know, and we'll talk about movies. I'm also on Instagram at dcaduto. That's C-A-D-U-T-O. And, yeah. So that's social media. If you want to support us in a different way, you can go to patreon.com. And we have, as I said at the start of the show, we have four affordable levels for you to uh, support us at. $3, $7, $15, and $20 a month. And just think about it like this. $7 is a gallon of gas almost right now. You'll be getting shout outs throughout the whole month. and it's, you know, it's cheaper than Netflix. So $20 a month will get you a one-hour Zoom meeting with myself and Alyssa. It will get you a T-shirt. It will get you a mug. It will get you a shout-out. And it will get you on one unpublished podcast per month. So, yeah. Okay. So that's going to wrap up this episode. Definitely. So as I said, next week, it's going to be Thor Ragnarok. And then we got a couple of really, really good ones coming up. We got Thor Ragnarok coming up next week. We got Black Panther coming up the week after that. And then we got Infinity Avengers Infinity War coming up after that. Three really, really good movies. All right. So that's going to do it. And that's going to wrap it up. So I'm David Steele. And you have been listening to Real Talk.